It's the first episode of 2022 for the Average Gamers Podcast. On this episode, we have a quick catch-up and talk about all the things we got up to over the Christmas period and the games that we played. On with the show. Here we are then, episode 36 of the Average Gamers Podcast. Uh, We're a bit thin on the ground this uh, episode because Adam is off playing daddy with his newborn. So congratulations to him and Shelley. Um, but he won't be with us tonight. So you've just got myself, Lee, and I'm also joined by Jay and Darren. Say hello, boys. Hello, boys. <laughs> hello, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, because we, we know what our audience is and it is probably mostly male. I'm, oh, making, really I'm making an assumption now. I don't know. Anyway. I want to see the stats. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um... So I just want to do this uh, in this particular episode. I think we're just going to talk about, you know, what we got up to. It's the post Christmas catch up in February because we were very lax and didn't record in January because we were all enjoying ourselves and uh, shedding those Christmas pounds. So who wants to go first? Who wants to talk about what they got up to, what games they played over Christmas, since Christmas, what they got for Christmas? I think we mentioned little bits here and there in the last episode, but... Oh, no, we didn't. That was prior to Christmas, wasn't it? Yeah, it was actually. Ooh, yeah. yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Well, go on then, Darren. You, you can give us a give us a brief overview. What what sort of games gaming stuff did you get for Christmas? So I got Unmashed, uh, Volume Ooh. 1, and then I went and brought uh, Cobble and Fog afterwards because I nice. um, just wanted to. And then I also got nice. Clank, and um, I also have Lost Ruins of Arnak. So quite a good stash of games um, so what what um give, give us a quick overview of, of each of those then that that sounds good for anyone who's sure. not aware so, of them uh unmatched is actually super popular um and it's a a um fighting card based game so you have uh the whole idea is that no fighters are equal and so unmatched is that you have warriors that come from um, just about anything you can think of so it could be um, like literature or it could be um, heroic figures from myths or uh, even real life characters so you can have anything from um, I think it's uh, I'm trying to remember some of the names now um, is it Spike Lee not uh, the the uh, oh well, the director. Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spike Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Spike Lee. That would be a bad fight. Warrior from history. Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah. Having a Leon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, versus um, a pack of raptors. Um, that's the most extreme mm. ends of it. But um, what I like enjoyed about um, like Cobble and Fog is a pack which is all around Victorian characters. So you've got like Sherlock Holmes, Invisible Man, um, Dracula, and um, nice. I'm trying to remember the last Hyde. one. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it, Jekyll and Hyde. Because so, the, the base game has was Alice, in, Alice from Alice in Wonderland, Sinbad. Uh, King Arthur. Yes, King Arthur. And Medusa. So that's King it, Arthur yeah. can fight Alice yeah. from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've not heard of this game personally, so um, yeah, it's good to be enlightened. Well, interestingly enough, uh, I played it with uh, Kim a couple of days ago, actually, down in uh, over in Bristol at Chance Encounters, the board game cafe there. 
and we really enjoyed it. So it's, uh, but yeah, carry, carry on, Darren. How how does the game play? Yeah. So it, I think it's aimed at a two play as a two player, but I'm mm. really, and that's what I've played at so far. But I'm really in, really interested to see how it plays as a four player. But I always am keen on uh, good two player games. Uh, the great for myself and my wife, and a lot of people will be in that situation um, where you, you know a solid two player game is really desirable. And uh, the game is basically you position your uh, fighter on the board. They normally have like sidekicks or henchmen. And um, so there's a bit of movement on a board and the board has like little spaces. So kind of quite a, it's, it's got that sort of like fighting arena aspect to it. But the real sort of meat of the game is actually in the cards. So you, it's a card drawing game where you can do certain abilities based on what cards you have. And you're, and you're effectively just trying to knock each other out by causing enough damage. Um, but you're very much dependent on what cards you gain. Um, you play a card to make an attack and then they can they can play a card to block it. So there's a lot of um, trying to um, predict what your opponent's going to do to get the best benefit of your cards and they're trying to block you. So there's a lot of to and fro. It's quite dynamic, um, which I think is really important for that sort of style of game. It doesn't become boring or bogged down. I would liken it to uh, to give it a video game analogy. I'd, I'd liken it to something like a Street Fighter. Every character is uh, yeah. different, and yeah, you are trying to sort of you know you're, you're sort of dancing around the board to you know get in the right position to make your attack, and then you know try and feint with a small uh, light attack first to get them to play their defense, and then go for a big swing kind of thing, isn't it? It's that that style yeah. of game. Sounds like one of those mobas, yeah. like um, League of Legends or Dota. Uh, to a degree, but there's less. I mean, I suppose there is magical attacks and stuff, but it's not. You're not sort of in your three lane ah, type right. deal. It is, it is more one on one. Although you might have a couple of sidekicks with you, which okay. are represented by a token. But like, I think King Arthur has Merlin, for example. And while King Merlin Arthur wasn't is a the sidekick, no, well, no. In, in, <laughs> and funnily enough, it kind of played that way. Oh, is right. that King Arthur? Because I was using King Arthur. I was trying to use him as a beat stick to go and like wail on Medusa. And Kim just kept playing these cards. It was just like, oh yeah, take two damage, and also if you fulfill this other condition, take another eight damage. You're just wow. hitting me for massive swings. And then I was like, after about the third loss, I was like, right, I'm going to try it and use Merlin more. And you find out that like he's the damage dealer because he's got ranged attacks, whereas King Arthur doesn't. Okay. So actually, what you do is use King Arthur to block people from getting to Merlin. Okay, so then like. Hit- yeah, like and and beat them beat them down with 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 Merlin rather than King Arthur. King Arthur, the noble linebacker. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the interesting thing. Like every character plays so differently that, um, and because uh, you can play any character that they release with any other character, the number of combinations, even with like the eight characters I have, it, that'll be um, a huge number of combinations that you can play and replay. Um, so it's, it's replayability. I think is very high. Um, and it's I, quick I mean, I've, I, as well. Yeah, very yeah. very fast. Yeah, so thoroughly enjoying enjoyed it, and uh, we'll be on the lookout for more sets. But right right now, to be honest, two sets, eight characters. There's a lot already it's of content enough. already. You could yeah, get the Buffy the Vampire Slayer one if you really like Buffy, I suppose. <laughs> but it's like yeah, meh. I don't know. I wasn't yeah. a big Buffy fan personally, but. I can sweat till that Spike Lee pack comes out. That's what I'm doing. That's a... Direct this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. But, um, 
yeah, that's a cool game. Cool. So rather than monopolise your time there, Darren, let's let's. What did you? Anything good from you, Jay? Well, what I did you get for Christmas? Or I don't play get Christmas? anything for Christmas. My girlfriend decides against it because she decides that she loses enough time with me to gaming to buy me more gaming stuff. So I just buy it for myself, which is absolutely better because then I can fine tune what I want. So I got mm. a few models, a few paints, a uh, couple of brush sets, things like that. Uh, board game wise, <sighs> I got Sushi Go Party. <gasps> I know. What? Who are you? For the last 15, <laughs> 20 episodes, however long I've been on this show, I've been like, what a stupid idea for a game. <laughs> and um, Have you played it yet? Yeah, I played a couple of games. We've not played any of the real... I've looked at the menus going through it. Mm. Now the game makes sense. We played a few of the basic ones, which is more like a race. Who gets the most points, etc. But then that's, I looked that's at, all they all are. Uh, but there's one that's the cutthroat menu, which is a lot of um, mm. counter oh, cards. That's quite interesting. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. for my tribe would be much more fun. They play Uno religiously. Uh, okay. And there's like a weird satisfaction that goes through their eyes when they hit that plus four card on somebody. Um <laughs> So there's that sort of one-upmanship that really sells for them. So I think we'll get to that one eventually. But I was quite impressed. Once you realise it actually has nothing to do with sushi, it's not a bad game. Yeah. Some of it makes sense. So like tofu is nice, but if you have too much tofu, it's bad. And so you can get one or two points <laughs> for having tofu. But if you have your third piece of tofu, you actually have minus points because tofu is just uh, yeah. grim, really. If you have too much pudding, you if you don't have any pudding, sorry, or you don't have enough pudding, you, yeah. you go home in shame. Yeah, the eel, the eel's points. the opposite. The eel is like, oh, I don't like that. Oh, yeah, maybe it's all right then. Oh, yeah, I'm really into the eel now. So I can see where they're getting their theme from. It's good. Um, but it's a good little game. Uh, we played it with four players. So it was my girlfriend, her daughter, and her daughter's boyfriend. And we did a few runs of it. And it was, uh, it was getting quite cheeky towards the end, quite competitive. And people get involved. Uh, it was good. Uh, I've played the cutthroat menu, and um, it, that actually does completely change the game. It's it was quite interesting. I'd say with the right group, perfect, brilliant. Wrong group, diabolically bad. Yeah, you don't have any friends. You have any friends afterwards, will you? Yeah, I quite fancy playing that though. I, I like. I know I'm not the most competitive player, but I do like the kind of like you know sort of exploding kittens where you like screw people over and stuff like that like i, I do enjoy yeah. that style of gameplay with a quick card game so a little bit of interaction is good can be yeah like a massive like if someone did it in twilight imperium you're like hang on mate i've spent the last four hours building this and you're going to bring it all down that's personal <laughs> whereas sushi goes so fast that um yeah it sort of doesn't feel, matter isn't it yeah oh well i've lost this one next time yeah. gadget and yeah Exactly. So what, what paints did you get? Sorry, you mentioned you got a few paints. But anything interesting there? Okay, so what paints did I get? So I restocked a lot of the contrast paints I've been using recently. Oh, um, yes. Love that stuff. Yes, because uh, I'm not sure if I've boasted to anyone, but my current paint statistics for 2022 is ridiculous. It's like well over 100 models already, and we're in February. <laughs> I've done seven. <laughs> <laughs> when you say we're in February, it's it's the third. It's yeah, <laughs> it's yes. not even well into February. It's the third of February. Yeah, well, I'm all, I've painted and sold a uh, nearly two thousand point in Yandan army, but that was mainly yellow contrast, blue contrast, heavy dry brushing. Um, yeah, it looked so, amazing though. To yeah, be fair, you took, I, uh, I, 
Lee did the pictures for me because uh, he's a great photographer. He's got a good setup, and I think that generally just adds to the uh, the uh, sale value. To be honest, definitely hundred percent. Sold it all gone. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've I've commissioned Lee to do photos of my stuff before. Not sure if I paid you or just when I say commissioned, just asked. <laughs> uh, I don't suggest it. No, you didn't. I did it. I did it free of charge. But then you. You never used it. I think you used about three on your blog, and then your blog, like, you stopped using your blog. So, <laughs> I, I and given that you don't use Instagram or anything like that, they just they went disappeared into the ether. I, never I to appreciate be seen again. them. Every night I look over them. <laughs> <laughs> They're in your gallery and your phone. What yeah. should be your wife is just, just, just on his head head loads of pictures on his headboard. The Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, got restocked some of my contrast. It turns out like fifteen bottles of the Black Templar one though. Because I just assume I'm running out of it because I burned through it. Fifteen. Uh, oh, wow. I exaggerate. That's what I do. Oh. I've got five, but five's still a lot of one color. That's still a lot. I've got one. Yeah, <laughs> I keep burning through them in my head, but I'm not mm. burning through them. I just keep buying them. Like it's like Nolan Oil. I used to do the same with Nolan Oil. Like I yeah. must need some more, surely. Um, rather than going into my little room and checking, I just press click and uh, get more. Did that. Got some cheap brushes. Yeah, that was me just nice. restocking a bit. Wonderful, good stuff. So I um at Christmas I I got one of the games I got for Christmas was uh funnily enough I think I mentioned it last episode that I was buying Horrified for my wife, uh, which I did. Uh, however, what happened was that I added it to an Amazon wish list, thinking I'd added it to the private one that I'd set up for all the stuff I was, you know was thinking of getting her or like, you know ideas to get her. What I'd actually done was put it on my public wish list, which I'd already shared with her which was she was using as a Christmas list for me. So we both ended up buying it for each other. <laughs> so Chris, Christmas Day, we hand, she handed me a suspiciously sized box that I recognised. I'm like, this is the same size as the horror... Uh-oh. I opened it and I'm like, ah, yeah, you might want to open this one, Kim, <laughs> and handed her the same game. But as luck would have it, uh, a friend of mine and his girlfriend are also into their board games and... They they basically had the opposite problem is that they were like, oh, I'm sure they'll get it for me for Christmas. And they both thought that. So neither of them bought it for, for Christmas. So I was able to sell one of our copies to them. And so, you know, it all worked out well in the end. We yeah. just basically were, were storing it for them. I wrapped it and gave it to someone else to unwrap, basically. <laughs> so it worked out in the end. But I mean, Horrified was was great. You know, I played that back in uh, late sort of late last year. Uh, myself, Kim, and a couple of other friends. Uh, well, John, who's appeared on the show, and his wife played that over at uh, Thirsty Meeples in Bath. Lovely little place, and yeah, we really enjoyed it. So, why not get it? Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a good fun game. I mean, I, yeah, you, we I in fact, yeah, now. we played it the other weekend, yeah, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, with our respective wives, Darren, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I've got this. Uh, says yeah, the I've got this. I have not got this. What do you think? Pretty much we, is what it was. We pretty much had it. And I was like, don't worry, don't worry, overthink it. We've got it. And then it's just like, oh, I didn't know that could happen. And then it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't do anything about yeah. this. We've lost. <laughs> <laughs> right at the final turn of the game. It was brilliant. Yeah, you were the coach at night where you're down. Maddie was like, you were a bit obnoxious <laughs> at that point. I was like, well, y- yes. <laughs> I don't think anyone's I mean, ever called you obnoxious as long yeah. as I've known you. <laughs> I mean, 
mean, we were several. We were all several drinks in by this point as yeah. well, wouldn't it? It's like we we were well lubricated, so I think we were that's having the, a good laugh with it. The fun of a co-op game, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm definitely. I, I actually really enjoyed it. Like, um, um, I think it's possibly the new pandemic. Maybe if you want to go that far, it's like a co-op game that's really enjoyable. That I think is very approachable. Um, you know, you could definitely get a lot of people involved in that. There were perhaps one or two bits which I felt were, um, I don't know. If we played, we only played one game. If I played more, the villagers they seemed like complete liabilities. I never spend the time. Basically, you can spend actions to like move them around the board. Um, I just felt like they actually are just there to um, give the monsters an extra target. Um, but maybe that's something when you play a bit more, you know the ones which you should rescue um make sure that you don't even if you're not getting them to the end point i suppose just make sure they don't get eaten you know so there's probably like an extra level there which i think i might appreciate if we played more of it um so i guess in a way that's not a bad thing it's it's got like something extra that i didn't fully get into but even that side like the game i really enjoyed really fun lots of uh, <coughs> uh, replayability as you change the different monster combinations um, and each of those is, has its own little puzzle basically doesn't it to to solve so it's kind of like pandemic but solving little puzzles rather than curing diseases by taking an action so it's, it's actually quite good yeah it's quite a nice game it's got that kind of mass appeal that you know it, everyone knows the mummy or you know frankenstein's monster and all that kind of, you know it's it's quite easy to get the buy-in um I, th- I definitely agree with you on the villagers although i've played it several times two player and i think it's kind of weird although technically the monsters have the same number of turns i think you as a player get more turns in the game because the monsters activate after each of each of you's gone Okay. So, like, you know, I go, the monster goes, my friend goes, the monster goes again. Whereas if there's four of you, it's like I go, the monster goes, then three other people and three other monster turns happen before I get a go again. Whereas when there's two of you, you can almost sort of go, well, you know what, I'm going to take a turn to move the villagers this turn because I've got, you know, X number of other turns to do the other bits in. So although it's the same number of monster turns, I think you kind of feel less it's less of a burden to take the villagers to where they go. I mean, you, you don't get a lot for it, but like you say, it, it gets them off the map, which, you know, stops them being eaten, which actually is a help. Yeah, that, that alone think, might, uh, might be enough, actually. But when you've, the more players you've got, the less you, you're less inclined you feel to do it. Yes, I had a sort of a slight question about it was, um, you compared it to Pandemic. So I played Pandemic twice and it was quarterbacked heavily. Like the rest of the players may as well not been there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as a co-op game, how does it deal with quarterbacking? Is that more of a you've got to police it yourselves, or is there mechanics in place that help with that? Because I hate quarterbacking uh, personally. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. I, I didn't notice any. I mean, like I say, we were fairly drunk, and I don't think there was much of it when we played. I think it's potentially because. And I could be wrong. Having not played Pandemic, but I've always assumed that Pandemic's quite hard. And so you need to do the right things. Otherwise, you're just going to lose quite early on. Whereas I think yeah. uh, uh, Horrified feels quite forgiving. It's like, well, 
I did probably did the wrong thing this turn, but it was my choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's I, I, not necessarily yeah. the end of the world. I think it does fall into the same category potentially. Like you could have a real strong quarterbacker. Um, I think I think as always, you've got to tell them sharp. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the rule. I've got yeah, it. The way. I've Darren, got you're this. obnoxious. I've got Shall this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, He's yeah. got this apparently. <laughs> He don't got this. Did you hear Manny's eyes rolling when you did it as well? (laughs) Yeah, um, it was quite funny. But moments like that make it, you know, and um, yeah, I think it's a great game. I actually quite like the look of the American Monsters Horrified purely because it's got goofy monsters like um, the Mothman and stuff like that, (laughs) you know. Man Uh, Bear Pig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I, probably the Universal Monsters have better appeal um, to a wider audience. It's a broader appeal, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. yeah. So what else did you get for Christmas, Darren? Um, so I also got Clank, another really, really popular uh, board game. It's been out for a little while now, and there's actually a ton of expansions. It kind of shows you how popular it's been. Um, so the original Clank is set in a dungeon where you're trying to um, delve into the dungeon to grab treasure and run off. Um, but there are, there's a dragon protecting the dungeon. Uh, since then, there have been all sorts of expansions. You can go in space and all sorts of things. Um, but this one is very much a kind of classic fantasy sort of setting. Um, so the aim of the game, like I said, is to grab this treasure. And you by grabbing the treasure, you kind of... You, you're, get points along the way and at the end of the game you calculate the points the sort of twist is that once someone normally you can only have one treasure at a time one of these artifacts and then as soon as the first person to get out of the dungeon with their own art with an artifact will then set off a death clock which will then um means that the, there's a race element to the game so um there's a risk and reward and a race element to the game which is really fun and um, makes for, it's quite simple, but it makes for a really entertaining game. Um, And the sort of main mechanics are, it's a deck builder basically, but with a a board. So a lot of deck builders you you may have played, like I think Dominion is probably the biggest, uh, but I I played, uh, what was this? Um, Seven Wonders deck builder, right? It was a tableau builder more, isn't it? More tableau builder, yeah. Um, start is is that deck building game, uh, sci-fi deck building game that uh, I think you played as well, Lee. Um, yeah, star. Oh, what's it called? Generic star stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's it called? Star builder. Oh star god. <laughs> no, you, you got it. That's oh, really. No, I need it. Star league. No. Oh, this is really bad. What is it called? I had it like on my phone as well. So I used yeah, to play it on that. I played on my phone a bit. Um, but I mean, what the hell is it called? <laughs> Star Fury. Hang on. Star Balls. <clears throat> yeah, Star Balls. <laughs> right, here we go. I'm going to ask Jeeves. What does he say? Star Realms. Star there Realms, you go. Yeah. So there's 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 a whole such a generic name that we yeah. forgot it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, there's a whole plethora of that style of games, but it's not really one that we have a lot of in our our group. Not pure deck building. Um, and I, to be fair, it's not pure deck builder. It has a like I said, a board element. Um, and um, it was a game that was initially very hard to explain to my group of players and. Uh, 
the whole idea of deck building was a pretty alien concept. It took a little while to get through, but and we mostly did it by explaining it. They didn't get it, and then we I played a turn on my as my character, and it just made sense and it clicked. And then everyone was like, "Oh, of course, I guess buy this card, go to the scar pile, and I'll get it later." So that was really it's like one of those games that once you're used to the concepts, super simple, uh, plays really quick. Um, there's also another element of um, it's called clank because when you are in a dungeon, uh, you got to try and reduce the amount of noise you make. Normally, if you go faster oh. um, or you grab an artifact, you might start making more noise. And you represent this by having like little noise cubes, which um, kind of like the same pool that you use for your um, health. And so. What will happen though is when you make noise, you it's called clank. You put it into this bag, and um, every player's got different coloured cubes, and all the cubes go into one bag. And then when uh, the dragon gets um, woken up at different times, it will make X number of attacks, which means you grab that many cubes out of a bag, and whichever colour they are, they'll cause you damage. Um, so if you make a load of noise, what will happen is that you'll keep on getting hit by the dragon attacks and you might not make it out of the dungeon, you might get knocked out. Um, so there's kind of a risk of like, you know, you can go faster normally by making more noise in, with certain cards um, or there's certain items that will give you benefits if you make noise, but they will hurt you in the long run. So there's a lot of risk reward in the game. It's only a race game with a lot of risk reward. Um, so... Super enjoyable though, and a lot going on, but it all works very seamlessly together so that you can get a game in about an hour or so. And um, I taught it to my dad, who doesn't play any games, and um, he really enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely got, I can see why it's got the mass appeal that has made it have some ridiculous number. It's one of those games like that's got a crazy number of expansions. Um, and different variants, you know. So um, it's obviously been highly successful. Um, it's taken a little while to get onto it, but um, I'm glad I gave it a go. Sounds interesting. Yeah, I'd quite like to give that a go. Yeah, I was just thinking you were saying, like, you obviously you buy things for your deck, you build your deck, but you don't see it instantly. You get the benefit of it later. Do you think that's comparable to Quacks of Quedlinburg, where you have your turn and you take the ill-gotten goods of that turn to purchase things that you may not see for a couple of turns you yeah. buy different parts for your ingredients that go yeah, into the uh, blind bag it's very much the same rather than but just tokens versus cards so yeah it's a really similar concept and um uh that that is a bit of a weird one sometimes people want buy something and like and i don't get it <laughs> it feels a bit weird like, <laughs> I'm like, no, it's you an endowment policy <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like um initially feels weird but once you get into it like i think your i think your deck of cards starts at like eight cards or something ridiculously small so you get through it really quick uh you'll be buying cards from turn one and you'll probably see them on turn two or three you know something like that you'll see them really quick and you just get through it and really quickly and you can actually trim your deck a bit as well if you really want to there's a little bit of fighting involved as well but that's very abstract very kind of um i pay this many sword to get this much gold basically <laughs> like, but Aye. yeah it's not it's not particularly the strongest aspect by any means it's representative of a fight more than an actual 
combat mechanic. It, yeah, it feels more like a another route to victory. You can kind of like there's lots of different things you can try and build your deck to be good at. Like you could be able to be really good at fighting really fast, or um, really good in many different ways. Um, there's items you can buy, like you can buy a backpack, which means you can carry two artifacts and stuff like that. So you can sort of spend your resources and, and build your deck in different ways to make it um, how you want to play the game, which I really enjoy because it just means that some people will go down one route versus another. And at the end of the game, you kind of just add up all the points and see see who's come on top. And um, quite a lot of time, actually, that, although, there's not, although it's quite a, like a race-style game, the amount of player interaction isn't that high, but there's enough to make it relevant. So um, the main interaction being like, if I go and steal an artifact before you get a chance to, well, you don't get to steal it. Like, so it's a bit of a, that. I guess that just adds to the race element. So it's not a huge amount of like screwing each other over, which is quite nice in some regards. Um, and there's a little bit of interaction. Friend. Yeah, you kind <laughs> of like, it's more like, buying stuff before other getting stuff or buying cards before other people get in there uh, so there's a little bit going on so you don't feel like you're just like four people solo playing this one game you know but um <laughs> it's it's not it isn't the most interactive it's probably possibly a downside but you know it depends where you sit on that sort of how much player interaction you want really that just reminded me of something didn't you send an article around recently Lee, about quacks yeah, um, there was an opinion piece, uh, I think tail end last year, by uh, Alex Meehan of Dicebreaker, and it said it, it was basically saying that you know Quacks is a very you know given how similar that is to Clank, I guess in this sort of risk reward and buying things for future turns. Um, the kind of it Quacks is a great game, but it needs. It should be more popular than it is. It's not as popular. It's popular within board gaming circles, but actually outside of that, it, you know, something like Settlers of Catan is is well known to you know not everybody. You know, it's not as well known as say Monopoly, but it's most people have heard of it if they've got a, even a passing interest in board games. Whereas Quacks doesn't. And basically, the article stated that. It's a combination of, you know, maybe the artwork, the name definitely is a big thing. And, and it actually, it it reminded me of what you'd said when we first played it. And it's just like, oh, what is this game? Quacks of Quedlinburg. I've never heard of it. It sounds rubbish. And then you get to playing it and you're like, oh, it's actually a really good game. Yeah, and it's yeah. it really is that, I think. I, you know, I, I disagreed slightly on the artwork side. I didn't mind the artwork. I thought it fit the tone. But the name definitely is a sort of misnomer and, and that was one of the things there's a similar game out there called potion explosion which immediately sound you know you know what yeah you get the you get the gist of what or how the game plays whereas quacks of quedlinburg is you know you get the inevitable is it about ducks or, or something because <laughs> you know you, a, a quack is like a bit of an old it's a bit of an old, outdated term now, isn't it? For like for a, a doctor or like a psychiatrist. Yeah, it is, and it is. Yeah, it's more like a. It's like a charlatan type yeah, doctor right. rather yeah. than a true doctor, and so it's not. It's kind like of fallen out of favor in. Yeah, that that sort of thing. It's kind of fallen out of favor in modern vocabulary. Yeah. So it's the in, in have that particular it back usage and uh, not, let, <laughs> <laughs> not letting go. Um, it was quite an interesting article, I thought, and uh, 
you know, sharing it around our group, it was quite pertinent. And yeah. I, I, I tend to agree on the whole, you know, yeah, if it had a better name and, and whatnot, it's going to stand out more and get the popularity it deserves because it is a very good game. For me, it was the cover art, the internal art of every single component and the board itself I thought was fine, but it was the cover. I was like, what is this about? It, saw, it told me nothing. <laughs> um, and I was like, what is this? Um, but yeah, once we got into it, great game. Yeah, I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I think it may have been the name for me, actually. Um, something about it, though, it did make you think, oh, this sounds like a really boring Euro, and then played it and was like, nope, it's absolutely as far from that as you can imagine, really good fun. Um, and maybe the concept is a little bit weird to start with. Um, maybe if we just call it Push Explosion. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, obviously they can't use that because it's a different game. But yeah, it's something, something a bit more punchy and a bit more, you know, Ron Seal approach, for yeah. want of a better word, is going to, would help it. But, uh, you know, I, it's always, because it's not unheard of for games to change their name. Um Interesting one is Ink and Gold, which I think we've played a lot of on Board Game Arena, and that sort of sounds slightly similar to Clank in that it is a push your luck, you know, try and get as far as you can into this dungeon to you know steal the right thing and, and escape and be alive at the end of it. Um, that is not available; it's not in print. However, it was re-released as Diamond, which is a by far a worse name, but it's not unheard of for games to change their name. So who knows, maybe maybe in a few years, Quacks goes out of print and gets rehashed and re-released as something else and gets the popularity. It's Summon Cthulhu cover on that and you're all cultists, you're trying Summon Cthulhu, done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just Dar- Darren's notes on the, the design brief is, needs more tentacles, yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. <laughs> we laugh, but how many games have had a uh, Cthulhu um, version and it probably does quite well? Um, too fucking many for my yeah, liking yeah, personally many. but yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah pro- pro- maybe, I don't think it uh, I think uh, maybe because they're name, change the name probably probably could help but uh, it's a great game if anyone's listening they could just search it out and give it a go yeah I'd, I'd highly recommend it if you're on the fence try and find it at a board game cafe that's what that's what my wife and I did and we loved it and it's gone down well at many many parties and get um, the uh, coin covers for the tokens, the little plastic one pound <gasps> coin collector covers. The little clacky noise the they make is brilliant. clacky noise in the bag, yeah. That's <laughs> it. That's where it's at. That's, that's the sweet spot of that game. Mm. You can buy, uh, Board Game Geek do, they're like hard plastic chips that have got like the design printed on it, which is probably even nicer, but I don't know, it's quite expensive and they probably have a tendency to wear off just as much because it's printed onto this plastic. Yeah, fair one. At least, with, at least with a coin capsule, I can just re- buy some more and replace it. That's true. Although I've got so bloody many, I don't think I'm going to run out. <laughs> you, you just ran out of coins instead. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, what else did I get up to over Christmas? Let's just have a thing. I've got a big, big old list here. Um, played a couple of new games that uh, that my friend owns. Uh, we played What Next, which is by Big Potato Games. And that is a choose-your-own-adventure style game in the, in the style of Unlock um, and that sort of thing. It's like, you know, read the card, choose your outcome, maybe play a mini game, and then depending on the result, go to card 50 or go to card 58, that sort of thing. And you, you play out a little story through that. And the production value of this game was really something special. It was 
it, it's got one of those it's like a hollow box lid as it were that kind of magnetizes shut and you open it like a large book and then all the components in there, the components were really nice you've got like these wooden blocks which you use to you have to like stack them and that becomes your like death clock essentially if you stack it too high and then it falls game over so and even that is like covered in this sort of weird matte finish semi-grippy kind of stuff so it means you can stack because they're all irregular shapes you can stack them but you end up sort of being able to stack them on diagonals almost and they they will grip and hold which is really interesting and like there's this about three or four different adventures in the one box and i was really impressed by it, actually we uh the storyline was that we'd crash we kind washed up on a desert deserted island or something or we'd gone to investigate a deserted island and then apparently the version we played was wildly different to the outcome that they played when they played it prior so it's, it's, there's clearly a bit of replayability there which is which is interesting and another game we played was uh the isle of cats or oh i've just realized that it's i love cats yeah yeah it's, it's isle as in an island of cats i love oh, yeah that's taken me how long i played that about a month ago and it's like <laughs> i've only just got that um yeah it's by uh city of games which is a, a company based in bristol actually um a guy called frank west designed it and it's it's very much a it's a bit of a quacks thing because it's it sounds a bit rubbish when you explain it. It's <laughs> essentially what it is. It's uh, you are you play like a shipmaster and you're trying to transport these cats to and from this island where they all live. I think you're capturing them and then taking them back to sell. So what you do is you 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 gain coins or money to buy baskets to capture the cats in, and then when you capture the cats, the cats are all in like weird sort of Tetris shaped tiles. And you have to try and fit them on your boat. And it's like you get points for, you know, fulfilling certain objectives, like, you know, getting X number of cats of the same colour, all all touching each other on the boat and not not like that, filth. Like, as in, like, you know, you lay them down as tiles and things. I'm, I'm making an absolute hash of explaining this, but it was, Tetris, it was Tetris really fun. Cats. Tetris and cats. Essentially, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're buying, you know, it's, it's that kind of do X now to buy three cats later type thing and, and fill out your boat. And obviously at the end, it's like, you know, score up how much of your boat did you cover? How many of this cat did you have? How many of those cat? And you lose points for certain things. And it was, it was a really interesting game. I really enjoyed it. So it's one that I definitely would play again. Um, the cover artwork sort of, I don't mind it because I quite like minimalist artwork. It is like a white box with Isle of Cats on it. And they're kind of, angular kind of letters and they sort of look a bit like the artwork of the game but i know that's not to everyone's taste but it's uh it's one that i really enjoyed i have heard a lot about this game actually uh, a lot of people have rated it on their top 10 uh games of 2021 um oh really yeah hmm. I, had an absolute, I had an absolute blast from the past uh so the guys in salisbury hang out we played uh talisman no. Whoa. Basically, yeah, snakes yeah. and ladders with Warhammer. Yeah. Pull up a hat, pull up a sandbag. Um, but uh, it, it's so strange how good it is for what it is. It's absolute bollocks. You're right. It's snakes and ladders. Um, <laughs> that game is just 100% luck. Makes yeah. no. Yeah. Don't real... think you really have much player agency. Yeah, you roll a dice and you choose dice. which direction you go, left or right. <laughs> yeah. And you go that many oh, wow. squares. Yeah. 
Uh, and you land on the square and I'll be like, roll a one, two, or a three, lose some health. Roll a, you know, four, five, or six and gain a card. And so like, oh, that's cool. So you have to sort of hedge your bets which one's worse, left or right. But I forgot how semi-detailed it was. Like, we picked our characters at random because some of them are sort of better than us. So I was a, um, I was a monk. So they have an alignment, so I was obviously good. So if I land on the church and stuff, I can heal, I can get a card. If someone who's a demon, per se, or dark aligned, lands on a church, they take damage. So there's a good little bit of that. But um, there's these little stories that sort of tell themselves. Mate Bucko, he was playing as a troll. He was like categorically the ugliest character. Uh, but he ended up being like a troll knight. He was basically Shrek. Um, <laughs> he got a princess, a unicorn, a holy lance. He's just like this mad crusading troll. Just the cards he kept getting. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. It's compared to modern games, it's uh, basic, let's say. But um, yeah, I think with the the right kind of players who sort of see the story behind the uh, imagery, it was it was quite fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, oh, I've, I've definitely had a lot of fun with it. I think I believe I I had definitely had one of the versions. I've I think it had the dragon on it, but I can't be sure. Oh, is that the one? Yeah, you could. It was an expansion, wasn't it? I remember that being advertised in White Dwarf back in the day. It was like a little multi-tiered thing with the dragon that would sit on top. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because it would like it's three sit tiers. in the middle of the board. Yeah. And the person who gets to the middle of the board effectively just stands there, and every turn, all the other players roll a dice on a four-up, lose some health. So they're on a death clock then to get to him. But if you get to him, you have a fight. The characters fight each other. And uh, the winner takes all until all the other players are dead. So yeah, I think you're right. The expansion took that and was like, yeah, forget this bit. Keep going. Go up this time instead. So it was like another tier. Yeah. It looked pretty impressive. That was my first kind of, oh, that's a board game expansion that expands the board, which is quite nice. Did you get anything else for Christmas, Tyron, other than the two? I did, actually. Um, I got, I think now you reminded me, I actually... Got a very nice gift um, from Adam, unlocked, and um, ah, I haven't caught up with I him. I also got unlocked from Adam. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't caught up with him to play with a game yet, but uh, we had some friends over, and um, they're uh, what we would classify, I guess, as non-gamers, um, even though they do occasionally play the old game, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they just don't dedicate their lives to it, you know. They're not cultists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're not indoctrinated <laughs> like us. But, um, or uh, of us. <laughs> so um, they basically uh, were really up for a game and uh, they want something cooperative and I was like well let's let's give this one a go and they absolutely loved it because uh, they're both um, uh, just into problem solving basically and they love that aspect of it it was one of the games where normally I'm kind of trying to make games go along and get people into it. And I was like, almost like, like, hold my beer, Darren. I'm, I've got this one. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's, they just were really into it. Got um, doing fantastic, solving all the puzzles um, well, well and faster than I could. So yeah, they, they loved it and um, it went down really well. Um, oh, one of cool. them had played um, rather than unlock. What's the other one? Uh Exit. Exit, yeah. Kind of the one with the legacy one that you tear up. Yeah. So a bit of comparison to that. I think um I do like the fact you can come back to Unlocked though, because give it a like couple of months and you you can have a pretty good game still. 
Um, yeah, I forgot. Like, I, I, I don't even know who's got it at the moment. One of my copy is sort of rotating its way around the group. My first copy that was bought for me. Oh, I believe and I have that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you still got it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I could replay those now, and I'd forgotten. Yeah. I know the gist of like the scenario, but I don't remember some of the puzzles. Yeah, there, there might be one or two things that you go, "Oh, yeah, I remember this being real problematic." But a lot of time, I find because I mean, I played it mostly with four players. Um, I have played it with two before, <coughs> but um, quite often there'll be one set of people that will solve a problem, and then the next, you know, so you're not always that close to the problem being solved anyway, so you probably won't remember it that well. Um, True. But so, which scenario did you do? Uh, so we did uh, the travel around the world in eighty days. Um, oh, cool! So and it was really good fun. Uh, lots of interesting little twists. Um, every time I played it, the sort of the different ways they can make the um, problems have an interesting kind of solution is, is always surprises me uh, with what they've got to hand. I mean, sometimes they use the app, but most of the time it's just cards. Um, one or two of them were, were a little bit uh, stretched, maybe. Um, and But thankfully, the player aids uh, on the newer sets means that you can actually look up what the solution is. And there are points where... Uh, well, no, we didn't Ooh, do this in the fast. That's cheating. Yeah, yeah. But the, the thing is, rather than uh, what I did, basically, rather than the game getting stagnant, um, I would read a solution and just be like, yeah, we can solve this. Keep going, guys, sort of thing. Or, no, we messed up and someone discarded a card they shouldn't. Because that, that's the biggest problem we have normally is people discarding cards or not discarding cards. <laughs> um, and sometimes... Yeah, and it is a real pain in the ass because it's so easy to do. And I think every game I've had a problem where we haven't done something quite right and we get stuck. So it's nice that you can quickly have a look. You can ask the app for hints, but the, this literally has like the solutions. And the way we did it is that I would basically step out from solving that puzzle. But I would say like, we can definitely do this with what we got. Just got try and work it out kind of thing and that worked really well actually and, and you know this only happened like once or twice during the game it wasn't like constantly happening um but it's just nice to have that you know you know you're always going to be able to get out of it and um didn't really take anything away from the game because i was happy to kind of sit on the sidelines for those uh um tricky problems rather than um let the game stagnate because that's the worst thing with those sort of games if if you, people get stuck and they just can't get through it. Um, that's when those games come go from really interesting to like everyone's frustrated. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. I, I agree. We've we've had we've had similar. I, I really like unlock. I was I can't remember the particular set that Adam got me, but the scenario we did um, was you're like you go to a movie theater, and it's just like so like, from the four that I've now played, and that's that's four scenarios, not four sets. Because each set has three scenarios in it, but they've all been wildly different, like in the way they utilize the cards and like the puzzles and things. It's there's some really clever people there, like making sure that it doesn't just feel like the same scenario with a different skin on it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, there, I mean, some some of them. I won't. This is from different get missions, but one of them is like gives you a. Uh, it, it use the app to show you a picture of this um, temple. And to, um, I think to get into it or something, you had to, um, like, 
blow or say something into the app and you like you would like for ages there what what would we need to do and then we're like wait a minute has some little clues and we're like let's do that and it was like we're through so that's it, it uses technology a little bit but it's quite clever when it does it it, it uses it sparingly though most of the time it is something on the cards like um yeah i won't give anything away because they're all fun little tricks so you want i think up. yeah we had one we had to blow into the microphone i think i think that was it on, yeah. the, on the phone yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh and we had uh, one of the things that we had in the last one was there was a bit of a where's Wally aspect where there was this guy after you and you had to like keep every you had to keep finding him on the cards and uh, uh, <laughs> sort of uh, see if you could find him uh, stuff like that they, they they just add lots of different things in uh, so super fun game. So you want to talk about fun games, right? Sometimes it's the players who makes games who make games, isn't it? So this Christmas, my family were down and um, I taught my mum and dad Coup, C-O-U-P, Coop. Oh, yeah. um, and they're not gamers whatsoever. Um, and I, I think deep down inside, they hate each other. Um, <laughs> but you've never seen something so funny in all your life. My dad has a Brummy accent and my mum is broad Scottish. So <laughs> it's, it's like the comedy duo. So he's, my dad's like, all right, Maggie. I'm going to pay my three credits and I'm going to assassinate you. Mom's like, you want your ball back? You can't do that. And honestly, it was insane. Just no one else cared about the outcome of the game. Just watching my mum and dad go at it. No, no, I've got a duke. You can't have a duke. Because somebody else has got a duke. So you've not got one. What do you mean there's three in a deck? No. <laughs> and it was absolutely banging. Um, no idea who won any games uh, probably my mum because she's quite aggressive and you don't want to argue with her I'm telling you you've not got one of them and you've got it in your hand you're like yes uh, I, I agree with you yeah, I do not have one I'd <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like to be good at like deduction like games like who but I just I'm not I'm not cut out for being able to like lie I think I've got too much of an obvious tell it's like you know yeah, poker same. and it's like ooh Two aces. Uh, I mean, mm, thanks. Yes, you have beauty. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, yeah, I just, I'm not very good at that. Or no poker same. face. Is that the perfect cover for the world's best liar? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I wish. Lee's doing, doing the groundwork now for our next game of coup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> next time we play Twilight Imperium, Lee is going to screw yeah. us over. It's I'm not like going to the... attack anybody, guys. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I didn't in that first that first time we ever played, where I had the nuclear deterrent of getting as many miniatures on the board as possible. Like just just hearing Adam's voice go up about three octaves, he's like, "Look how many ships he's got." <laughs> so yeah, I'm not doing anything with them. I'm just you know. <sighs> I was, you know, I don't even know what... I, I had no real game plan other than to put as many models out and then I got dicked over by Craig sending that fucking research vessel through a wormhole and forcing me to reduce my fleet for no reason. That that rule annoyed me because it was quite arbitrary. <laughs> but, you know, it was funny, I guess. He, he managed to... He had the biggest kill count and didn't even fire a shot. <laughs> wow. Not even a kill count, just a go-home count. Yeah, yeah, it's, I guess, yeah. <laughs> all your guys uh, speaking all strike. Of, yeah, speaking of like games that got to the table again, though, uh, I managed to get Imperial Assault back on the table uh, earlier this month. Nice. Cool. Which was good. I uh, So I mentioned uh, I had some hobby plans back in the last episode when we spoke about our look forward, and one of them was to... 
one of them was to pick something up for a painting project, but also I wanted to finish my uh, Imperial Assault figures off, which uh, given that my non-gamer friends or my, my RPG group, really, they asked uh, if we could play Imperial Assault again. And I said, yes, of course. Um, I'm running it more RPG-esque than when, say, you and I played it, Darren, because I think they would enjoy it more if it's more like an RPG and I'm not playing to beat them. I'm playing to throw obstacles in their way. Um, that's not to say that I won't beat them in certain missions if you know the opportunity presents itself but i'm not sort of going out my way to go oh yeah this isn't fun because i've just shut your character (laughs) down or whatever so we've added in a few house rules like permadeath they've basically got the entire roster of characters at their disposal but if i kill one in the mission they're not coming back nice so it it keeps gives that they said because i offered them the choice they could do it we could do it the normal way or that way and they said oh that gives us more incentive to not get them killed so yeah i was like yeah that makes sense adds to the danger as well yeah, exactly. It's like, well, yeah, if we keep throwing the Wookiee in the way, eventually the Wookiee's going to die, which uh, is, is good. And that is my plan because they, they've got they've got the Wookiee with the grenade launcher at the moment and he's, he's a pain in the ass, so he's got to go down. But um, it's, yeah, it's been quite fun playing that. And I, yeah, like I said, I've got, I had six figures remaining to uh, paint for that and they'd languished, like I had an entire painted collection bar these six figures, which were the last six releases for it. And so I, I pulled my finger out of my ass and actually got them painted, which was nice. That was my first six models painted this year. Turns out that, that does help with painting. Can't yeah, paint exactly. Yeah, you can't, it's a bit hard to paint with one hand jammed square up your ass, but you know. <laughs> Depends what you're painting. <laughs> yeah, true. But yeah, that was that was good. Um, so on, on the subject of hobby, uh, have you guys done much in the way of sort of hobbying or, or any sort of, you know, miniature wargaming? Um, I think I mentioned earlier, I've painted, I've painted like three armies in 2022. Um, my ogres are getting finished off to be sold. I did a whole maggot kid army from scratch. Got a thousand points of that done for Age of Sigma. Um, You're a machine, man. I don't know how you do it. Um, yeah, I, I wish I had an explanation. I don't. Um, <laughs> and I got that Inyandan army built. Well, it was already built, sorry, and base painted by a previous owner. But I finished it off, got rid. But, um, it looks yeah. incredible, actually. I was quite, I was sort of, in some ways, I was quite sad that you were letting it go, but, it, you know, because it, it did look amazing. But it was nice, but I think it was, um, I, I, I want to say, came across a lot of points of Eldar in a short period of time. And I was like, I don't need this many. Hmm. And yeah, it was just, I need to sell some. Do I sell the stuff I've not built? Or do a sell the stuff that the previous owner had built and base painted, and it just seemed like a time to money ratio. I was like, get rid of them. Um, I've still got enough models left over that I could do it again if I wanted to, but I think I want to <laughs> do the Siam Han army because yeah, such a good color scheme. Yeah, I love I those just, colors. I don't even care about bikes. I just care about the cool color scheme. I do miss my Sam Han army. Actually, it was yeah. A labor of love that I don't think I ever fully painted a 1500 or 2000 point force of it, but I just had pockets of it was painted and I really did enjoy the look of it. You did a ton of freehand though, and that is just sadism on another level. It's because, and I put, I think when the first Viper jet bike came out back in 1995 or whatever it was, Jesus. I, yeah, think about I used a I used a water slide transfer, and that was before I knew about you know Microsol, Microset, and any decal softeners, and it just oh, looked wow. awful. Yeah, and I'm like I'm never doing that again. So 
I just started freehanding and actually you get a lot more freedom with that because you can you know it's going to conform to the contours of whatever thing you're putting it on you can go wild and you're not locked into what exists as a transfer as a decal and you can you know you can have a lot more fun with it and just you can you've got a lot more freedom I think so it it was worth doing and I, it, by the end of it, you don't even think about it. You're just like, yeah, I just draw this on and paint it. And it, it doesn't even cross my mind that it's a really hard thing to do. Not to sound, you know, I only do simple stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'm not painting wonderful, wonderfully intricate, you know, Sistine Chapel-esque banners like some painters out there do. Yeah. But, I'm, you know, I'm able to paint was, a few little simple designs. I was impressed it on your, on your old blog. And, um, yeah, I was like, wow, that's not transfers. Fair play. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that was that was quite fun. How about how about you, Darren? Any any hobby stuff happening this year so far in yeah. the last four or five weeks? Yeah, um, so I've been paying up some clean steel cult. Um, finally decided on color schemes and slowly getting them painted up. Um, I had a game with them, which was a quite a fun experience. Of felt like it game went really well, basically, but it, it did feel like if I make a mistake everything dies <laughs> so it was quite intense oh really is yeah. it real knife edge is it yeah is that how they play yeah it just felt like um I, I i was like okay that went really well but also i could see it going really badly like a couple of bad dice rolls um misplaying stuff uh it could all crumble pretty quickly at the same time i felt um maybe if i get used to it i'll kind of get a bit bit find a bit more of a middle ground and um they obviously it's probably one of the most complicated codexes in ninth edition, which is saying something. So <laughs> there is a lot going on. Although it's actually only got like twenty five data sheets, which is like the space ring fast attack section. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's like it's like it it isn't like loads of data sheets, but they're all interconnected. They all do stuff. Um, there's a lot of rules that are like maybe you'll use this, but it depends on your build. Um, I, I basically went for. Um, twisted helix which are my favorite by the background law where they kind of a uh, a key steel cult that has been affected by basically the the imperium has affected themselves in this case it's a world where they captured a clean stealer in cryogenic sleep and they were uh dissected it took out the glands and um were like oh wow this this makes you really fit and healthy oh whoopsie it's like a third arm and then it's like <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like they basically just affected their uh, uh the sort of uh elite of that planet has just infected themselves and the and uh it's still actually producing stuff for the imperium and uh, they just kind of get away with it wow, at the, moment. the longest um, of long games yeah yeah, yeah. and then brought weird. down by their own hubris yeah exactly and i don't think they i i don't think they actually have a patriarch i think they're quite unusual in that regard they, they're not really uh they're, they're still still a cult but i don't think they're quite as connected to trans maybe as others uh, as in a not does that mean you're starting to look at a, a, an imperial faction is that what you're saying <laughs> oh, yeah, you that's the only way you can do it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I, I can get some brew brothers uh, that's about as close as I'll get um, <laughs> but, but you know they've only got two arms come on that's imperial <laughs> <laughs> do, do they bite, die to boltify that's all I need to know they definitely yeah, do where yeah, are they? they excellent they right I'll be do. fine then so um, do the brood brothers have the xeno keyword then 
So they have no, tra- they've got a special thing, haven't they? Yeah, so Brew Brothers are now just allied with the Guard Codex. Ah. So they're not in the Clean Steel Codex at all. So that's why the, it went down quite um, a lot of... See, now they've got issues. you buying extra books. Well, they, they know they know the score, don't one, they? One day, not right, not right at the moment. You don't but have maybe to one take day. Guard, but if you do... Yeah. yeah. They actually res- buy the book. They do restrict you, though. So you basically can only take 25% of Guard and... Um, unless you want to remove some certain rules, you know, so um, it mm. will stop basically the sort of the, the uh, crossfire um, rule. You'll start losing the ambush style warfare that the green steel occult provides. So, um, and you start becoming more like a corrupted um, planetary defense force, which is fine. You know, you know, it's great that you can narratively play both styles of guerrilla warfare and a, and a planetary defense force. Um, you know, I'm, you I'm don't get ambushed by three Lehman Russ. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We never, <laughs> yeah, yeah. never saw them coming. <laughs> What's that sound? Yeah. So, um, yeah, they've been super interesting, um, but I'd like to play a bit more and get used to the army um, and uh, see what they've got. Lots and lots of tricks. So, um, I, And I've also got to play uh, with my Tranes, my Crusher Stampede, which was basically like put all your big toys on the table and basically Tyranny's custodes. It's like, I'll have 30 models, but they're all brilliant. Uh, so <laughs> oh God, that sounds horrific, to be honest. I, I get the impression that uh, the guy you played, I spoke to him, he's a mutual friend of ours. I think he's still traumatised by that. <laughs> he still I, dreams of screamer killers. I don't know. Yeah. I, I really uh, took steps to tone it down. Um, I don't think it was that bad. I, I think... Uh, I think it, um, oh, I'd love to. I'd love to know if he hears this episode. What he says to that? Oh no, he knows, <laughs> he knows his laptop up. He know, he know, he know, oh really? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Because um, we played after playing the first game. <laughs> game uh, yeah. two turns instead of just one. <laughs> well, he, he's got he's got a very. <laughs> no, with this Rocher, you're really spoiling us. He's got a very, he's got a very <laughs> narrative Raven Guard army. And after the first game, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I don't want to go and play with like full Crusher Stampede. But the thing is, Crusher Stampede is like. Uh, you know, really good. I think I think it came uh, Crusher Stampede came fifth at LVO. Uh, the tons of them went there, so it's obviously like everyone's hot on it. But I just wanted it to be like I can actually get my Carnifex out and not feel sad. So <laughs> that, that, <laughs> no one's taken that to the tournament, but yeah. it, it's still uh, hard to balance it. And that's one of the problems I've got with my trannies at the moment. Bizarrely, it's like the old Codex. I remember when it came out in 2017. I was so disappointed with it. And it was trash for so many years. And then Games Workshop for like layers of buffs and stratagems. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there must be like, oh God, there must be like well over 50 Tyrannus strats now over three different, four different sources. Uh, the, so. I guess that book must look like a scrapbook now. If you were to like cut out yeah. and print out all of the errata oh. and stuff and stick it in there. It's, it's more it like, be horrendous. it's more like having a little library to take with you to an event now. If, you, if you're playing Crusher Stampede or Leviathan, it's three books. One of those books includes another <laughs> supplement. So it's like, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous. lot. It's a lot. It's, uh, that codex is propped up on, um, extras but to be fair like i said to craig i paid four pounds extra for that white dwarf so i deserve all those extra rules so <laughs> you paid to win I, yeah. I think vanguard, vanguard primaris are n- probably not equipped to be dealing with um you know the crusher stampede oh i see what you mean not, not the much- not the um 
uh, army of renown. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think. No, no, he wasn't aware that existed at the point. And to yeah. be honest, I don't think it makes a massive difference. A few relics and no. stuff isn't going to change the way it plays. It's not as good as minus one damage across the board. Yeah, I think I think it was a it was a hard it was definitely a hard game. I, th- I think it wasn't like um it certainly wasn't a massacre or anything though. Uh, he he actually killed most of my force and um I think um a couple of bad dice rolls and maybe holding um the eradicators back would have helped and st- little things like that you know. Um, but yeah. it's it's definitely but I don't want belittle like there's no is definitely a strong force that. Um, I would play because I wanted to play with a bit big monsters, but um, gonna find it hard to balance that for fun games, you know. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to have a game where my opponent's not having fun either. Um, I'm not playing tournament level games. Um, we're just trying to have a balanced game, and that's that's hard sometimes. And I find that increasingly hard when I'm trying to. Yeah, uh, very from- hard with 40k in general. I think just from bitter experience over the you know the last 20 years, I think unless you take two identical armies even then it's still not going to be balanced because of the way the game system is yeah the, uh, the guy going first is going to you know be playing at a points advantage essentially oh, i disagree with that but we're, we're, <laughs> but i i play um well, t- i play- it, i mean yeah right it very much depends <laughs> if you yeah if you if you're able to deploy and not be shot on the first turn then yeah, it yeah. might mitigate it but if you've it's- got if you play someone who's got you know I don't know a, a ton of tanks or whatever, and they can draw a line of sight, and the table's not set up for it. It's just yeah. it's a crapshoot, right? It's it, it's not good. Well, there's there's a lot of balancing factors in 40k which can make it very difficult to get yeah. a truly balanced game. I think it's always going to be inherently a bit of imbalance, but yeah, it is, it is what it is. To, yeah, to get that balance right, because too much terrain. Like we found that well, the first game I had, Blue Steel Cult, um, possibly too much terrain meant that. He didn't get enough shots off at me before I went in. Things like that are really hard to balance, particularly around my house because I could put a ton of terrain on. Now, I'm joking. <laughs> like, well, I mean, you say that. I mean, when we played that game, so what was it late last year, wasn't it? It was the three of us plus plus Craig. Yeah, yeah. And we had Tyranids versus Armorines, and honestly, although the table looked busy, there were quite it was open sidelines. More open than I and- thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. that's down to the layout that you'd, you'd happen to use. I think looking back at it, but yeah, yeah, it was. A, I think that, that's a mix. Though. It was over by. I think it was over by the, turn two, though, wasn't it? Yeah, the board was nice, but Tyranids have so many bodies you can't hide them all. Mm-hmm. So there's always a nice target. It was just the way it was, but um, I enjoyed that game. It was a bit of a laugh, to be honest. Um, it was a bit of a laugh, yeah. I, I, it was. I was a bit down on it at the time, but I mean, like, we, yeah. we we failed all our charge rolls. All of them, R1. And, um, R1. and yeah, Craig wasn't very happy that he had to weather a charge. I was like, honestly, mate, don't worry about it. You'll lose five men. Yeah. We've got another 30 or 40 yeah. of them um, yeah. within, like, you know, the good range for our guns. It's not going to be <laughs> yeah. a problem. It's cool. I, th- I think that shows the extreme, though, the Tranids. It's kind of like, without, that was a game that we, a big game we played without strats, and um, we played just a load of like, anything that we fancied for the codex and it, it was trash uh, you got that <laughs> the end of the spectrum where it's really top tier and trying to get the in-between spot where everyone will have a good game and you know it's actually really hard it's like um because yeah you you do have that light that sort of balancing act of is this actual garbage or is this too hot you know <laughs> it's really hard 
It's, it's very, very hard. I, I hate strats. It's like almost like a lazy <laughs> writing. Like, I can't be asked making your units any good. So what I'm going to do is give you this banging strat so your unit can do something twice. Yeah. That's pretty much how they fix the Trinic Codex. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway. Uh, but I basically enjoy getting the models on a table, been uh, doing painting, um yeah so that's been cool and another exciting thing another development because i don't have enough gaming in my life i uh <laughs> lee in the last episode was actually got me on this because he was like oh i'm thinking about marvel crisis protocol and showed me the miniatures and i was like oh man these miniatures are really good and um i was into venom and carnage because i was watching the film which it's not the best film by any Tentacles. stretch yeah, yeah, yeah. But it has because a lot of tentacles. tentacles. So I was sold. And, <laughs> and, uh, um, and so I picked up a couple of characters and um, they've actually been amazing fun to paint. Like really big scale. I, I can't remember what it is now. Like 35. It's, I think, or... well, I just think you've got quite particularly larger than life characters because yeah. looking at the ones I've got, I've got like Black Widow and yeah, she's she's about as tall as a Primaris Marine, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I've, so, I've, I've yeah, got like Venom. 32 to 35 mil. Yeah, I've, I've got Venom and Amiga Red are pretty big and then Carnage and um, Mysterio are kind of human size, but they're they're floating um, around and they're still probably a bit bigger. The majority of yours are on the bigger bases as well, aren't they, apart yeah. from Mysterio? Yeah, yeah. But they're brilliant models. And they look like, amazing. Oh, cheers. Um, You've done a brilliant job on them. Thanks. I, I really enjoyed them painting them. Honestly, it's probably been the funnest thing i painted for such a long time because... Um, I mean, I'm paying four and I've got an army technically. I, am, I haven't really gone into the rules too much, if I'm honest. I kind of, a bit of a weird way into a game, but it's not a bad way to be like, you just like the models enough to be like, I, I've seen some battle reports, the game looks absolutely fine. Um, mm. You know, I don't really know the ins and outs. Nothing but good things. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of got custom dice. I think they're D8s, aren't they? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, and like, a lot of it looks like you kind of like roll to hit and then they roll to defend and I think the biggest twist I've seen so far is that you can't one shot people they go to like a wounded side so you can never like mm. totally hammer one person in one turn but well there are probably some rule out there but normally they they get injured and then you you sort of have a bit of a respite so which is quite cool in a way because you don't necessarily want your cool character to go down in one turn but I haven't really played it so no. I don't know how that's going to turn out to be out. fair from what I've read, because I I also picked up the core set this month, and you know, as a painting project, which, um, which I you know was looking for, and like um, yeah, I think it, it seems to be that as you take more damage, you gain power, and it, it is that superhero thing. It's like you know they take a beating and then they come back stronger. Yeah, it's it's that kind of way. So actually, in some respects, you almost want to get your guy damaged to yeah. one to gain the power to essentially power acts a bit like it, well, it's a resource you spend to trigger certain abilities. Certain ones are free, and certain ones cost power to use. You know, you can't permanently fire the laser guns on Iron Man's armor. You need the power to do it, and like you know, Steve Rogers taking a few hits means it'll you know fight back even harder. And so, like his big swings will will cost him power. So actually, and also when you go onto the wounded side, you'll gain additional abilities that you yeah. wouldn't have had when you were in your 
standard state. So yeah, yeah it's kind point. of one of those you, you want to be taking damage a lot of the time, which is good. Yeah, and it's I, yeah, I I yeah, built the models up from the core set, and I was genuinely surprised how much is in that core set. It doesn't sound like a lot. It's ten. 10 figures, 10 heroes and 10, uh, sorry, five heroes and five villains. But then you also get a bunch of terrain as well, as well as the rule book, the dice, the measuring uh, range rulers and the measuring, uh, what you call them, movement tools. Yeah, which is interesting that he doesn't use the tape measure. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to see how that feels. Uh, obviously, I've played games which don't have tape measures, but uh, interesting choice. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, it's all it is is just a case of uh, they are I think they, they I haven't compared them but I think they're the same as the Legion one so for me it's not that odd but it is really a case of it just shows you the, the five distances you could move or three three distances you could move I, I mean I'm, is, I'm, I'm super interested on, to give the game a go basically because uh, I, th- I think I think um, the models sell it so much to me and I'm like, if I can make some epic battles with these miniatures, um, because you say, it's a, like you say 10 models in a box doesn't sound like a lot for a starter game, but it's like, it's not just 10 models. It's like, it's Iron Man, it's Spider-Man, it's Ultron. Yeah, it's two full it's, forces you know, as well. It's, it's, it's just like characters you know though. It's like, it's, um, and I mean, there's a few that they were like, probably not going to be able to sell these individually. So, um, yeah, that's <laughs> You know, um, Baron Zemo. Yeah, Baron Zemo. Legend. Never I, heard actually, of him. I like him in the you know, films. Did you not watch Falcon and Winter Soldier or no, um, Civil no. War? You probably oh, wouldn't recognise him. Honestly, after Endgame, I've not watched anything. It's oh. all been crap. This was way before Endgame. Yeah, this this is Civil War. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, but he doesn't look He's like, like he does. He's like the Sokovian general. No, like, he doesn't. He, yeah. he doesn't. He, he does like, in, in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, though. He gets to wear that purple battle oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. German actor, Brule. Whatever his name is. Yeah, Daniel Brawl, yeah. He's a good actor. Yeah, he's a great yeah. actor. I don't remember him from the Civil War. I think I've really yeah. that one because I was expecting the, the proper Marvel Civil War from the comics and that's what I got, so I was pretty pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> Should never expect the films to be the same as the comics. Mm. I've, I've, I've only been disappointed by maybe one Marvel film so far. But anyway, digressing. So yeah, I, I picked up the corset as well, Darren, to Brilliant. do a bit of painting. Uh, I, I'm trying out new techniques, so... Uh, also, at the start of this year, I was uh, kind enough for a friend of ours, Chris, went and played a game of 40k with him, and he was kind enough to gift me the Age of Sigmar Slaves to Darkness starter, start collecting box. Oh, the STD so collecting like, box. The STD collect, start collecting <laughs> box, yeah. And, and he like, gave that to you? I, wow. Um, That's, uh... Yeah, I know. He let me have it for free. He's had it for ages, and he just he said it's been sat in his garage, and he didn't want anything to do with it. And he said, like, Lee, do you want it? I was like, yeah, okay, fine. So I'm like, I want to try new techniques this year. I've had an airbrush for the last two, three years, and I only really use it for undercoating. I've not done anything particularly special with it. I think maybe I did some German camo patterns for you, didn't I, Jay? On one yeah, of your got my, tanks. Um, one of your tigers, four, wasn't it? Yeah. Or something? No, Panzer yeah, something like that. Oh, Panzer Four. Okay. So I'm like, okay. My RPG group wanted to. I offered them the opportunity to come up with a color scheme for their spaceship in the RPG, of which I have an X-wing model of it. They did, and they gave me a wonderful, wonderful pink to yellow transition gradient across the spine of the ship. And I'm like, well, there's no way I'm doing that with a brush. I've got an airbrush, went ahead, did a load of masking off and, and got that on there. So I'm like, okay, that's one technique that I've never done before that I can now tick off. I've done a, a gradient fade and it wasn't as, it sounded really daunting. I was really quite nervous about doing it, but did it and it was fine. 
This time I thought I'm going to try Zenithal, Zenithal, high, uh, Zenithal priming because I don't do that. I normally just spray it one colour and then paint it the traditional way. So I thought, well, this these Slaves to Darkness are going to be the perfect tester for that. Sprayed them black, sprayed them white from above just to get that kind of pattern. And then I thought, well, I want to do a, a bone colour. So I sprayed a bone colour on, which has a reasonably nice transition. It's not perfect because, you know, it's the first time I've ever done it. But it's worked out okay. And actually, by throwing some contrast on it, and it's literally I painted like five models in the space of about an hour and a half, which is rapid for me. That is not... I don't normally paint that quickly, so I should be able to get these things on the table to a state that I'm happy with quite quickly. On the flip side of that, the reason I did it so quickly is because I want to take my time on these Marvel models and really go, because like, like I said, last year I painted armies. I didn't paint models per se. I was painting stuff to get it done and get it on the table. And it's like, no, you know, what? I, I want to dial that back that speed a bit now and go back to how it was when I was painting like Infinity models. Because you could lavish a bit of time on an Infinity model because you knew that it was going to be on the table for a bit of time and, you know, it's one of maybe 10, 15 models that you see. With Marvel, they're going to be, you know, four, five, maybe six models at a push per side. So I really want these to stand out. And because they are the larger-in-life characters like Spider-Man, like Iron Man, I want them to really, like, sing. Yeah, too. So I'm going to really take some time on them. And I think the, the Xenophil Prime, it might not... I might not need it per se, but it's good to kind of give you a reference, if nothing else, because you can see where the light's falling. I think you're underselling them. They look fantastic, I think. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah. Which, the, the Chaos? I haven't, yeah, I haven't painted the... Chaos. Oh, thank yeah. you. Uh, interestingly, though, my friend who doesn't listen to this show, I sent him a picture of them. And he's like, oh, I don't think the picture's doing your paint scheme any justice. Basically saying he didn't like it. And I'm like, whoa, what? Of all people don't like the look of these, given that I've, you know, I paint stuff for him because he doesn't like painting and he's quite happy with a straight contrast. And I'm like, this looks a million times better, and yet you're not keen. It's it must have been the photo or something, but Yeah. We shall see. Well, maybe it's but, the bone colour. People don't see bone chaos too often. Maybe it just blows their mind. They're stuck to it. Maybe yeah. It's black or it's silver, mate. It's chaos. Yeah, I haven't um based them properly yet either, so that might make them stand out a bit because they do blend in with the base at the minute. Once the base is painted the right colour, it might look different. And obviously on this uh, Age of Sigmar kick, I also picked up the Caradron Overlords and Slaves to Darkness army books because I want to give Age of Sigmar a go. I don't play many fantasy games. I have a fan I play in a couple of fantasy RPGs. It's about it. I don't do fantasy normally, so you know what? Let's get out of that comfort zone this year and give it a go. I might, I might think the game's shit. I might not. We'll see. On that note, if I could jump in. Of um, course, yeah, yeah, carry on. Yeah, I managed to, it's probably the most, uh, the game I've played the most this year has been Age of Sigma. And, and sorry to any listeners who aren't massive GW fans. Um, just get this out of the way. I went to a place. It's fine, it's fine. we are a gaming podcast, yeah. not a board game podcast. That's all right. It just, uh, I went to a place called Factorum in uh, Warminster down south um, yep. took a few guys with me who are very very new to gaming maybe one day we'll cover the whole new to gaming and the road to the path to glory sounds um, like a <laughs> the path to addiction yeah, but, yeah the path to uh, being <laughs> yeah. skint and uh, Warhammer widows um, <laughs> yeah so we went down there I've never been to Factorum before it was a really good setup a bit cold but um, they had a lot of um, good size cold in there. I think it was like 5 by 4 tables I think there were 6 by 4 no, they um, were six, they were genuine sixes. The, right. the one I played on was I, I went on a different day to you, but yeah. 
Ah, sorry. Well, we used their Osgiliath table that they pre-built with all the foreground stuff, and uh, it was glorious, oh, nice. actually. Uh, just playing 1K points of Age of Sigmar with guys who hadn't really played before. Um, I hadn't played it much myself. I played in the first edition of Age of Sigmar, and it was absolute toss. Um, uh, but the third so the edition... one where you had the silly rules, like if you had a oh, moustache, you got bonuses and stuff. Yeah, if you were a Bretonian and you literally kneeled before the lady before the game, you got like a, I don't know, six plus ward save or something. Um, yeah. yeah, whoever weighed the most got like a bonus if they played ogres. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke, I was just making that one up. But um, oh. <laughs> yeah, it was really good to guys actually really picked up quickly. There's a, a couple of guys, I don't think, I'm not sure they listened to the show yet, we'll make them aware. And it was just a good day. It was four of us. So we had the two guys who hadn't played before played against each other with a bit of coaching from either side. Um, and then I played against James Wiggins and got stomped by my own ogres. It's awful. Um, but it was a really good game. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I was quite surprised by how much I had to think. I've always written Age of Sigma off as sort of a, oh, there's not even a toughness or strength. I mean, what's going on uh but it, it just it, it doesn't need that it's a lot of micro movement they've really gelled it with coherency you can't just send models out really nearly like you could in the first edition so they actually form up kind of like bricks similar to the old fantasy and i was like oh that makes me feel good about the way the game you know, projects itself so I played a bit of that i think you'll like it lee um seems a lot less going on than 40k between secondaries command points strats Things like that. it was quite chilled, quite fun, and even guys who'd never really played games before picked it up to a degree, I'd say. Um, but I quite liked it's probably the first time I've been to a club, a gaming club in wow, years. Uh, and it was good, it was good, good to get sort of go back to my people, so to speak. The prodigal gamer returns. Um, was it yeah, trumpets when you came into the hall? <laughs> yeah, no, it was too cold for trumpets, no one could breathe. Um, <laughs> all their lips were stuck to them. Yeah. Like. <laughs> that was it. Uh, but yeah, it was good, it was really good. And the place itself, to the listeners, if you haven't been down there, is a museum of gaming. They've got mm, stuff from really the Rogue Trader era, Gork and Morka space crusade they've got all of it and um yeah the nostalgia hit was real i was oh my god <laughs> look at this codex from the third edition and everyone's like we are on about jay because they didn't know they're all new to gaming I'm like you'll never understand you weren't there <laughs> <laughs> i actually i did start in second edition and it was like um yeah there was a whole supplement called dark millennium which was just like oh so a ton of cardboard it's just like <laughs> It really was. I don't think I ever played a proper game of second edition, but I had second edition and Dark Millennium because oh, really? I was prepared yeah. for to play it, but I didn't have a gaming club. I didn't. I wasn't aware of the gaming club in Devizes at the time. Um, I none of my friends were really as into it as me. A couple of them tried to paint the models and didn't really gel with it, so never really bothered. But uh, yeah, I persevered. Then third edition came along, and then I discovered there was the club. Went along and the rest is history. Well, yeah, we're here. And to be honest, third edition was less of a ball ache to play. Yeah, compared to it was second. Super well, second was like a micro RPG. Yeah, oh, Jesus. You hit the tank where on the left sponson top, <laughs> and the gunner's been hit in the left finger. Yeah, I know. It, it really it's was. Like the combat, the combat was the bit that did me. It's like, yeah, you all roll your number of attacks. Okay, that's easy enough. Yeah, then then you're rolling off opposed weapon skills. Then any ones you get 
counts a fumble, which is one less success. And any sixes you get counts a critical hit. And then you compare the number of successes to your opponent. And then that's how many times you hit them. And then you need to roll to yeah. wound and damage. It's like, fuck me. And if you're carrying a heavy weapon, you're minus two. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. Well, just thank well, God for that. Like, thank God they got rid of that. I remember yeah. it quite rose-tintedly, but I did watch a battle report. There's a couple of people who have done them re- of nah, supposition. Shit, mate. And it's quite hilarious <laughs> watching it. Like, like I think I may have mentioned it before, but this unit with jump packs wanting to move is like, well, hold on, this is going to take a little while because everyone scatters D three inches. It's like, and then they move afterwards yeah. to get in the coherency. So what the hell are we scattering D three inches for? Like, it's going to yeah. move after this. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like, we're in, lads. It's <laughs> like you're, the only time like their own event board. <laughs> Yeah, they did. Yeah, that was actually quite cool. I wouldn't mind uh, that. Jones is back. acting strangely, isn't it, and stuff like that. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah, yeah. Barb Strangler explodes out of it. I like that side of it. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. Really that's stuck inside the tank. More, that's skirmish gamey. That's yeah, not yeah, yeah, platoon exactly. patrol level. Yeah, not at all. It was they. I mean, thankfully they rectified that with with third, and third was a much more streamlined system, although had its issues like every edition of forty k's had, but. Very simplified. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm glad they. I'm glad they simplified it to third because it made the game way more accessible than second. I think the big shock with third is my eight, uh, my two hundred two thousand point army in second went to eight hundred points in third. Yeah, I was like, yeah. hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the blatant business decision as well was, yeah. was quite funny. Um, yeah. Goes back to um, Aegis Sigma. I'm not. To- I'm not like um, certainly not against it, and I, I would quite like to get a mega gargan at some point but we will see i'll, I'll find out what you uh listening to what you guys uh say when you play it and uh maybe i'll pick some of those up because i think it'd be good fun to paint even though that, that would um, be yeah that's what hard. i'm looking at it as if i bounce if i bounce off of the game at least the models are nice to paint and that yeah that is the one thing is that being freed from the kind of derivative fantasy genre means that they can go wild and mm. you know their stuff is a lot more original than it was when it was like a Tolkien yeah. adjacent style of it's great, things great like now. Models, actually, you, fantastic you, range. Yeah, the the Sky Dwarfs, like yeah, and like that's another thing. I'll have a thousand points of those soon as well. I think I've got a thousand points of Chaos now, just by the addition of one uh, Warhammer Underworlds box, which gave me like essentially four characters which I can add to the Slaves to Darkness, plus all the Warcry stuff gives me a thousand points of chaos. And then I'll have a thousand points of dwarfs once I get a frigate off of my friend. He's got the, it's like the medium sized skyship for the dwarfs, which he said I can have because he, he can't be bothered to build it. Right. I'm like, oh, okay then, fine. So I'll add that to the dwarfs I've already got and that's a thousand points as well. Yeah, it's a good game. I think it's got um, easier access than 40k from my current perspective playing with new people. Like explaining Age of Sigma was quite easy. Explaining 40k, on the other hand, I think could be quite hard work. It's interesting, actually. I looked at the Age of Sigma core rules because they're available for free. And although the game systems, the DNA of them is very, very similar, yeah. there's like, the way the rules are written as well seems a lot clearer. Like, I get that 40k tried to be, I, I think personally, they tried to take the Fantasy Flight games approach of it being pretty watertight in terms of interpretation but what they've done is they've worded it in such a way that actually makes it harder to understand because it's really convoluted Mm. instead of just saying you know you can do x at this juncture you cannot do y they've sort of said you can do x provided that these number of conditions are 
met or not met and it's like hang on okay you're covering every eventuality here but you're writing it in legalese Mm. it's like reading the bloody solicitor's letter well um i I listened to the um interview with the guy who came fifth at the lvo for the trial player and he's basically doing lvo uh, being the las vegas open which is one of the biggest war game tournaments in the u.s or in the gaming yeah i think it's a thousand players go so it's really crazy numbers across across different systems but yeah true yeah Yeah, there are a lot um, but um, it was just funny because he, he was like, oh, I did this thing. And the uh, guy who's inter- being interviewed, he's like, he's one of these people that uh, does a, like um, gaming for a living. He has a YouTube channel. Mm. He does the, all the other things. And he was just like, you know, um, that's actually not allowed. And that's actually not allowed. <laughs> it's like, it surprised me because like, it, oh, it's, wow. it's, it's like only minor things so what you're saying this guy cheated his way to fifth place I would say it's almost impossible to play a game without making a mistake because it's like the number like like on the second Tuesday of the month your Carnifex can make a plus one attack to a duck but only if provided it's painted blue yeah Yeah. 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 it's always eight and a half inches away not nine yeah yeah Yeah. so I I think my point is really that um, even if you're top of your game I think it's very hard to make uh, games all the rules right um, it's not about winning it's about convincing someone you won <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> convincing that, that that's how the rule were it's it's a noble thing like that they tried to do with ninth to make it more uh, to make it less open to interpretation but I think they've gone about it slightly wrong I think they've not got in I, d- I don't want to disparage anyone's English because that's that's wrong I, I possibly couldn't do a better job but I think they need to tune it up a bit because it's not quite written as clearly as it could be I think some of the rules, like you know, and the exceptions and and the clauses, are not as clear. But Age of Sigma doesn't seem to be that convoluted, like, and that's got a more C section one point four for the rules on characters. And then you're in characters, and it'll mention a keyword, and that'll it'll have a bracket, you know, section four point eight or whatever. It 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 means it's easier to cross reference rules throughout that book. Yeah. But also, it's not written in such. A, it's written in the more kind of plainer English that we were used to from previous editions of forty k but it doesn't seem as open to interpretation. And, I found... You know, Sorry, you can't Well, I was just going to say that, you know, they 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 are better at getting their FAQs and erratas out now, which is which helps that. But it just it's weird that, given that they're two games from the same company that share very similar DNA at the root. I think they have different audiences, actually. Um, well, it is, yeah. I think you've got... I think 40K is probably, probably aimed a bit more at uh, more competitive... Um, sort of really yeah. hardcore players whereas I think Age of Sigma probably is designed to be more of a something you can access more accessible and that's that's not a bad thing really it's having different mm. games for different people um, yeah I think that's, that's a good thing um, it's probably completely different teams working on it as well um, yeah it will be uh, I would yeah. assume that the studio that size they must can't be much crossover now the size of Games Workshop I always thought that like Age of Sigma was like a smelting pot for just janky ideas that might go into 40k <laughs> um so if you look Certainly at fi- i get that yeah some of the rules the, the that come out of that phase the battle shock phase what they call it um yeah that was carbon copy from age of sigma one into eighth ed 40k and a few hmm. other elements just skipped across a little bit and i was all oh, right but what it looks like they're doing with age of sigma now if you, so they're in the same transitional phase as 40k 40k went from eighth to ninth some people got ninth books, some people haven't. And Age of Sigma is the same. Some people got third edition books, some people haven't. Most haven't. 
But you look at the difference in the writing in the books, it looks like they've gone away from, look, so Unit A had three special abilities if you had a champion or blah. They went, nah, get rid of it. Now, the army has an overall ability, and the units might get a little bit of flavour. Whereas beforehand, it was like every unit had its own little sort of set of rules, same as 40k is now. Like unit A could be, it's got four kinds of gun. It's got a special rule if it does A, B, or C. H Sigma's sort of blatted that out and gone, right, this is your unit. Your army has this whole mechanic. So I play Magatkin. They got, they stripped them right back down and went, right, you get some wild disease mechanic. You try and cause diseases and mortal is wounds. Is this the third edition book? Yeah, it was, I was a massive yeah, so, difference. Because I've, both of mine are second edition books that I've got at the moment and they they have a lot of like each unit has very many individual like the I think the one of the dwarf units that you can literally build five different special weapons and they've all got a different stat line and profile mm. and it's like they're not fun to to shoot with because you're essentially rolling you know five sets of dice yeah. and it's like but you only get the bonus if you take all five and stuff all so right. it's yeah, it's really annoying. So hopefully they get rid of that and they just say, no, build them how you want. And it's like, this is what the unit does. Yeah. I much prefer that. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, oh, on that note, remember we were talking the other day, they've released a sort of a sneak peek at that there's a couple of ca- uh, codexes, uh, sorry, battle tomes coming later in the year. And mm-hmm. I remember you messaging me, Lee, saying it used the word mischief. Yeah. Uh, I forgot. A Who's mass- god of mischief? That's no, not a god. It's a, if you, a group of rats is called a mischief. Oh, ah, interesting. In your Skaven book. Maybe a Skaven book. So you, maybe your Chaos one will be more valid for longer than you think. <sighs> bloody hope so. <laughs> Paid for it now. Just bloody bought it. Yeah, yeah it's like uh, two months later before I've even played a game. Yeah. <laughs> Get so, a yeah, new one. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. Uh, I hated Age of Sigma 1. To say I hated it would be an understatement. Uh, so the fact that I'm playing number three and enjoying it is a bit of a surprise to myself. And I'll play oh, anything. Good to know. I'm looking forward to giving it a go. Um, unless you boys have got anything else to add, I think we're pretty much done for this episode. Uh, any anything? Any last words? <laughs> any last words? <laughs> not, I'm not holding a gun to your head. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to live past this uh, podcast if I can. That would be not allowed. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you, boys. Anyway, thanks for joining me. Cheers uh, for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much. We shall move on. And that brings episode 36 to a close. It just remains for me to thank uh, my erstwhile co-hosts, Jay and Darren, for joining me on this one. If you've enjoyed listening to this and you aren't already subscribed, then please do look us up. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, SoundCloud any other number of podcast (laughs) providers that I can find Um, if you search for us do please search for The Average Gamers and look for the Retro 80s style logo with the pink writing if you want to have a look a bit more at us (laughs) you can find us on podfollow.com forward slash average gamers and whichever device you're on will take you to the right kind of platform if you want to get in contact with us via social media or just have a little snoop at what we're up to you can find us on Instagram we are The Average Gamers all one word Facebook, we're facebook.com forward slash Average Gamers Podcast. Twitter, we are at Average underscore Gamers. And if you can't remember any of that, you can head over to Linktree, which is linktr.ee forward slash Average Gamers, and you'll find links to all our socials there. 
And finally, if you want to send us a good old-fashioned email, you can hit us up at averagegamerspod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.